0: Ash yeah. is
1: our voice of reason. We're oh, right.
0: in trouble. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Can we mute her then? <laughs> Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. You're fantastic at coding, but do you have an action plan to take it to the next level? The upcoming book, Next Level Freelance, will help you optimize your freelance business for happiness. The book is packed with actionable steps to make more money, case studies, tips to find more clients, and exercises for you to establish your desired lifestyle. Extras include nine interviews with freelancers who make great money while enjoying great work-life balance, videos on strategies to find quality subcontractors, and videos on making more free time by outsourcing your daily tasks. Check it out today, nextlevelfreelance.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 68 of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Ash Dryden.
0: Hello from Madison, Wisconsin.
1: Reuven Lerner. Hello there. Curtis McHale. G'day. Eric Davis. Hello. Jeff Schoolcraft. What's up? I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and we also have a couple of special guests. Our first guest is Ben Lockman.
2: Hello from Athens, Ohio.
1: And we also have Robert Cantoni.
3: Yep, that's my name. Hi,
1: everybody. So why don't you guys introduce yourselves before we get going? Go for it, Bob. <laughs> okay,
3: uh, Ben and I work together. We have a company called Nice Mohawk Limited. Um, we do iOS development and so lots of freelancing stuff. And we have lots of, um, well, we have one app of our own that's sort of out in the store. And then so we do mostly uh, mostly contract work at this, at this point.
1: You say nice mohawk, and I think bikers, (laughs) (laughs) like motorcycle, motorcycle bikers.
3: Yep, and tricycles. Yeah,
1: and tricycles. (laughs) Sweet, (laughs) Ben. Anything you want to add to that?
2: No, I mean we have. So I started out on my own, and then uh, a little over a year ago, we started nice mohawk together. You know, which was a kind of new thing of doing development and indie contracting. You know, as a as a partnership instead of a. Instead of just completely on your
1: own. Nice. So I, I'm I'm kind of curious because I, I have so, I have some friends over here in Utah that uh, they they went into business together. They decided they were going to do their own consulting uh, consultancy together, and they seem to be doing okay, finding work for themselves on their own before they teamed up. But for some reason, as a pair, they couldn't quite find enough work to make it work. So. I'm wondering what the trade-offs are there and, and what they may or may not have been able to manage that, that you guys seem to have been able to do.
2: I think one of the big advantages of you know, having more than one person is that like, we, we divide up client communication. So you know, if we're maybe bidding out or you know, specking out a, a project with a potential client, you know, one of us can keep working on other projects without taking time from those projects. So I, I, we both have clients that are kind of we're the primary communication person for the that client, which I think it has been for me has been really nice.
3: Uh, we have lots of clients who just don't want to talk to Ben, just feel like, man, Ben's just the worst. Um, so I try to, you know, make them happy and tell them that I'm the good part of the team and they should <laughs> um, they should only talk to me. I think that the trouble can, you can run into trouble if you sort of double your overhead, but don't necessarily, um, double your contacts for having sort of new, new clients, right? So if you have, now I suddenly have two people, but I don't necessarily, we know lots of the, um, lots of the same people. And that can make it hard if you, if you are trying to go into business and, and start out, um, sort of add a new team member. It's been interesting for us because we, I started out just uh, Ben already had a, had an existing business and I was just sort of helping him uh, with a few different projects where he had some clients with apps that needed updates and so I would sort of handle the updates and then and then eventually I just sort of took over those projects and, and became became the primary person for those ones. So then it sort of made made a lot of sense for us to sort of just say, oh, well, let's just do this thing as a team.
1: Is there a process that you go through then to build up from one person to two people?
2: Um, so, so we chose instead of so since I did have an existing uh, business, it seemed like it made a lot more sense to start something new versus have Bob kind of try to buy into that. Just from a you know purely financial standpoint, it didn't make a lot of sense to you know maybe have him basically buy equity. So starting on a kind of an even playing field was really good because there wasn't, you know, there, there, there wasn't any like, oh, you know, I've done this thing for X number of years and it's worked this way and it's worth this much money or any, any of that kind of conversation. It was more just, hey, we're going to start something new and, you know, see how it works.
1: Mm-hmm. So the next question I have is, are, are you both kind of in charge of marketing and sales and finding new people? Or, or new clients, I guess. Or does one of you do that and the other just make sure that the work's getting done? Yeah, we both kind of do
3: that. And it, and it seems like um, it seems that like that's working pretty well for us. I know we have friends who have consultancies where they'll have, um, you know, if you have three people, you can have one person who just does the business development. And that makes a whole lot of sense. It seems like that could be nice to sort of, you know, take stuff, take that stuff off your plate. But I think we're both pretty comfortable with that role. And that's one of the nice things about doing consultancy, um, especially this kind of iOS consultancy, is is we get to do sort of a bunch of different things. We get to have our coding and in the design and then also even on the client side. I mean, I find that sometimes that the client communication can be frustrating, but for the most part, I actually like that. I like that part of it, too. So I think that that works well for us. If we got super busy, I could see that being a problem where we're just both really in the trenches working on a project, and then there's nobody sort of figuring out what the next project is. But that's something we have to sort of just try to keep an eye out for.
2: Yeah, I feel like the marketplace is also a pretty uh, nice place for that right now. It's something that, you know, like, generally there are lots of requests for work when, you know, uh, there aren't, you know, like, there there are more requests than maybe we always have time to respond to or deal with. Mm Mm-hmm. I'd like to know what the highlights of uh, any contract you guys signed together for, you know, just in case things go south. Did you guys work that out beforehand? We didn't do a 50 50 partnership. We did a slightly like offset ownership so that it kind of, because um, we felt like that that um, maybe got around some of the need for lots of prearranged stuff. So I think it's like 58 or fifty-two forty-eight 48 or something like that split on the partnership so there is definitely you know there's a there's a primary partner and um not majority partner and you know i think that was enough for us we've known each other for a long time um we actually our background is that we went to school together in oh, what was that like 2001
3: ish was it yeah it's been it's been a while yeah so yeah. if we were going to be If we, I would not have a relationship with a client that is as sort of contract-free as our relationship. I mean, we do have some paperwork there, but generally we have worked stuff out. That just sort of by talking through it on a, if anything comes up on a sort of per-project basis, and that's worked out well for us so far. But it is, um, you know, it's something where where we have this relationship, and we know each other, and we trust each other, and um, you know, one day that's gonna. That's gonna just bite Ben in the ass, um, but <laughs> but for now I'm biding my time.
1: So one one thing that that uh, is unique to my situation is I'm starting to get to the point where I want to build up um, a, a little bit more of a sort of consultancy thing, but I'm not really sure that I want to partner. Um, I've all, I've got a guy right now that's, I'm kind of apprenticing. So we, he works on client work for most of the time. And then we actually, uh, set things up so that I pair with him for an hour or two each week. And then, you know, we also check in periodically to make sure that, you know, the work's being done to the, the way that I want. And, uh, that seems to be working, but yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of curious if you've seen that kind of a setup work where there's just one person that's kind of, overall in charge and then has his his uh, subcontractors or employees that, that do some of the work as well yeah that's definitely
3: how we started out you know Ben was definitely the primary and I was just sort of coming in and we would definitely check in and, and work together a fair amount um, and we still work together right obviously lots of the time and so for us it was a natural progression where Ben had other stuff going on and so it was just sort of I was just like all right well I'll just sort of do all of this and do the communication rather than just be sort of working on a feature or a couple features and have Ben be handling the actual client relationship, um, it made sense for that to sort of grow a little bit. And as the clients sort of got to know me, then I could sort of become the primary contact for them.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so it can be nice for that if that can work out in a maybe more organic way, then I think that can make a lot of sense.
2: I think also it it's sometimes hard to both... Be a like managing personnel, um, subcontractors, you know however you want to do it, and managing client relations. So if you purely have people work for you, I feel like there's a larger kind of management load to versus like a partner relationship. You know I'm not managing Bob. I'm doing my own work, and we touch base on stuff, you know usually daily. But for in the past we've had we have had a couple contractors and they've always it's been more of a management type of relationship. So I think that makes it a little bit hard to do the purely kind of uh, single person top down thing. When you have two people and you want to grow out to a third or fourth, I think it it becomes fairly easy to have one person kind of be a kind of director of engineering style role, and then the other partner be more client relations, business development, um, business administration stuff. But if you have one person and you try to expand to that, that maybe is too many different hats for that one person to to wear easily. Now, I mean, I I know people that have done it, so it's not by any means impossible. But I think it may may not, not be quite
1: as natural.
4: Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I've I found, I mean, I've, I've had sort of ups and downs with I've never had a partner, but I've had ups and downs with employees over the years. I think just before the dot-com bust in 2000, I had five people working for me, and now I've got one person working for me, and sometimes I've been on my own. And I've sort of seen advantages and disadvantages in different ways. But the thing that was always really hard for me was finding work for the people working for me. And I'm wondering, because like, you know, finding work for myself, not so hard to do. Finding work for people working under me is a little more difficult, partly because I'm selling them. And they're not as experienced as I am, and partly because, well, there's just more to sort of go out and sell. And I'm wondering if, uh, A, you've experienced that, and B, if the nature of a partnership changes that because you're sort of closer to, to equals and so people will see you that way. Right. I think for us, and people will see us sort of how
3: however we, we present ourselves, but definitely having sort of the body of work, having a body of work that sort of our team did this And it's not necessarily like, all right, I did this or you did this, but we can sort of uh, put that forward and have people feel like, yeah, we do have experience doing this stuff. They're not necessarily too worried that, you know, which one of us is going to be working on on this project.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I think that that does definitely change the challenge because it is like when we've had contractors do, do like subbed out work, you're kind of vouching for their quality and that's a, that's a lot of pressure to put on on someone who's not actually you know maybe the, you know as bought into the um the outcome as you are as a owner or partner
0: so i ran a business a few years ago and i had employees and i think that the more stressful part of that for me wasn't selling their services but the fact that their livelihoods kind of depended on me selling services. Uh, so I actually found it was a lot easier and less stressful to have partners because these are people that are equally invested in getting new business and understand the implica- implications of not completing a project or on an unhappy client uh, versus people that you know are just uh, working with you for a paycheck.
1: Yeah, I can vouch for that. I mean, with my subcontractors, Um, I always feel bad when I don't have enough work for them and tell them that they're kind of on their own until I find more. And, I, you know, I like to, you know, for the most part, I'm pretty good about providing steady work, but every once in a while things get slow, and when it comes right down to it, you know, then then I have to do the work so that I can get paid, and and I feel bad whenever those things occur. So I definitely feel that stress, the stress of, okay, I I need to keep these guys busy.
2: Yeah, I think I feel bad when, you know,
4: Bob doesn't get a paycheck. I also... (laughs) 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 no it's true like I I mean so when the dot-com implosion happened in 2000 I had I can't remember if it was five or six people working for me and basically over the course of three to five months I had to lay them all off because it was clear there was not going to be work and at that point they were all on salary and you know there's a limited amount of time that I was willing to pay their monthly salaries out of my pocket hoping to find work and that was very difficult because, right, saying to them, I'm sorry I have to let you go, not because you're bad, but because the marketing conditions have changed, um, that definitely made it a, a very sensitive point and has made me much more reluctant to hire people than was the case back then. I'll only do it if I'm really, really sure, both for my sake and for theirs, that I'll be able to keep the steady work coming.
3: Yeah. And I think for us, you know, we use a, a few subcontractors for the parts of our work that aren't iOS development, right? Um, that aren't sort of the strict coding. So if we have a particular design need or a particular need for some kind of backend, we'll reach out to people for that stuff. But then it's really clearly that it's on a per project basis. And so that sort of gives, you know, it's, it's not as good for us because we don't have those people on call. All the time, and they, all the time, and they might not be available. But I think that makes a lot of sense for us in terms of we're not responsible for their n- entire livelihood. We'll just we're happy to use their services when we need them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Have you guys worked for or managed any larger consultancies that had more than just the two of you? Or
2: no. Um, so I, I I started as an indie Mac developer and doing some freelance stuff on Mac, you know, prior to iOS. But it was always always kind of you know, quote, quote, renaissance developer style. And even for a lot of my early stuff, you know, I did all the, all the design and, you know, possibly to, to the detriment of some of my products. But, um, you know, it's, it's, I've, I've always been, you know, on my own and kind of,
4: uh, working for myself. Have, have you guys considered adding partners or expanding the business at all? Or at this point, you're, you're pretty happy with where you are. And you're in sync, like I don't know, strategically as well.
2: Um, I think it would be, uh, it, would, it would be a little bit challenging for us. I, I don't think it's something that we wouldn't, if we found you know the right person. You know, that, that's, I mean, that's kind of a cop out answer, right? There's always that, you know, that, that that person out there that you would love to add. I think particularly somebody in the the kind of more graphic design uh, realm or um, somebody maybe. In the like stronger, stronger in the web development skill set. Since we, you know, are both almost exclusively iOS, both of those might be someone with a skill set and you know kind of technical um, contribution that would be. that would be make us interested. I, I think the hard thing would be is that since we have known each other for so long and have a you know a, a pretty long relationship that it would be an interesting challenge to to add another partner that you know maybe didn't have that you know that long of a history to uh with us.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. If the so- other
3: part of our business that relates to that is that it, our business is sort of split, right? Where we're doing this consultancy, you know, a fair amount of the time, but but then we're also sort of using that to make our own apps. And so um we have different needs for those different projects where the the web having having a really good web developer is useful for you know a vast majority of i think the contracts that we take on it's not really as useful for us when we're doing our own projects at least the ones we've attempted so far and maybe that would change if we if we had another partner who was who was really into web stuff but i think that sort of because the business is split a little bit, it ma- it makes more sense um, to have those guys help us out on various projects rather than be part of the team. Yeah, that makes sense. Not that they're not part of the team. They're they're very they're valued. They're team members. We we really respect and appreciate all of them.
1: Mm-hmm. So I'm uh, I'm a little curious, and maybe you can talk about this a little bit more. But how how do you do your marketing then? You mentioned that you're like our team, and us, and we. But, I mean, what avenues do you pursue to find work? Is it mostly referral or is it, do you actually go out and find the work?
3: Um, it's a lot of referrals, uh, so a, a lot of word of mouth. If we do see an interesting project, um, sort of, you know, either when, if things are getting slow or if I'm just sort of on the lookout maybe for some really fascinating project that's a contract project that that I'd love to work on, right? So if we see something like that, then we will, um, you know, sort of contact them and, um, and see what we can do. So we have, uh, I mean, we have a website, uh, we have a blog to try to maybe give ourselves at least a little bit of credibility. And then um, for our client work, that stuff is, you know, those are iOS apps and they're not released under our name, Right. Um, or under our company. So it's really helpful for us to have our own product and maybe have multiple products where people know, people can see, all right, this is our thing. And then also where we can have, um, complete control over that product so we can make sure that it looks as good as, as we can make something look. Um, and I think so those things sort of help us to have that portfolio that otherwise as an iOS developer, we, we, might not have if we, if we didn't release our own products, but for the marketing aspect yeah it's a lot of word of mouth and um, and that's been okay so far i'm not sure if there are other avenues that we could be pursuing that that we maybe should be thinking about mm-hmm.
2: i i have, I had an interesting experience yesterday actually i was uh, at the my preferred apple store and I was exchanging uh, an iPhone. And I was, uh, talking with the, the business team at the, at the store. They just came over to kind of chat. And I've talked with them a little bit before, but I've never really, um, pursued anything. But I think that that's an, uh, I was, I was asking them if they had, you know, kind of a list of contractors that they recommended to people, you know, as, as the, the business to business, um, aspect of their, their function is, you know, that's, that's what the team's there for. And they said they had one guy that was kind of flaky. Um, Oh man. (laughs) And I I thought that was like kind of fascinating. And I I was like, hey, you know, like here's my card. If you want to, you know, refer people to us, we'll talk to them. But I wasn't like when I walked into the the place, I was just there to, you know, exchange my iPhone. But I think that's a, that might be, you know, an interesting way of, of getting clients as well. We've never done it in the past, but uh, it was, you know, it was just a kind of a, a, a random thing that, that came up yesterday that was, you know, might be, might yield something in the future. It's not, not one of those, uh, do it and it'll, it'll get you a job in, in two weeks kind of thing. But I think for maybe a longer term investment. And, you know, once they have maybe have referred somebody to you and it's gone well, it could become more be- beneficial for, for them and, and for you as a contractor.
1: Yeah. That makes sense. I kind of like that approach and got my mind going about some of the computer places around here that maybe I can, you know, have them send me people who are interested in whatever it is that they need.
2: Yeah. I think the, the hardest thing once you, once you grow past a single person is, is that, you know, knowing basically how much work to commit to, um, is, is, is harder because when it's just yourself, you know, everybody has a decent idea of how much work they can get done. Um, sometimes you overcommit to things, but when you have two people, it's just there. That's another kind of variable amount of time to to budget um, as far as projects go. Um, so we 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 have had a couple times where we've kind of had too many too many irons in the fire, too many projects going at once, which you know is not good for uh, kind of client happiness and. Stuff like that, but on the other hand, you know you do have a little bit more flexibility of doing more projects at once. so you can you can the the result of that is that you can put a little bit more time into uh, to talking with clients and maybe marketing yourself so you have more clients coming to you.
1: yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So do you ever do work with other consultancies that do the same thing as you to kind of take care of that extra work if you pick it up? We haven't done that so far,
3: but I'm actually. That's always a possibility. And I I was just talking to a friend of mine who does consultancy the other day, and he has, you know, too many projects and and needs some, could maybe use some help. And so that's something that is, uh, has its own challenges, maybe where we have to say, all right, well, you know, are we, are we a subcontractor for you? And are you handling all the client communication? Um, or are we just going to sort of take this over? And I think the challenges there are that it's, you know, we're all, all of us, uh, engineers maybe have a hard time communicating and when you're communicating with a non technical person who who is the end client, that has its own challenges. So we try not to let there be too many um too many layers of communication there. But yeah, that's a possibility and there's definitely, you know, lots of people out there who are maybe trying to do IOS development and trying to do consultancy and, and there's uh it's easy for people to take on too much. Mm-hmm
2: and what we have done a couple times when we've maybe been a, a little like overloaded with stuff is sub out some of our own software to other people so not necessarily like a large part of it or a, but you know like say you need to have some updates done to your um your web backend and you really don't have time to do it yourself you know we have people that we work with that do iOS and and ruby and you know when we've been busy that's the times when I've been like oh well we can have you know these people work on these small components of our own software to keep them fresh while we focus on um you know our, some of our contracts that need to get done
4: yeah that makes sense i'm i'm so curious like when i started consulting i had these grandiose visions of well one day i'm going to have a huge consulting firm and we're going to do enormous projects and over the years I've become quite disillusioned with that sort of thought. I'm like, you know, I'm happy to be me working with maybe one employee and a subcontractor and keep it small and more intimate. Do you guys have any sort of vision of where you want to go? And I mean, I I know I sort of asked this earlier, but do you think about getting bigger or are you sort of happy with where things are now and you wouldn't mind having that continue for years to come?
2: Oh, I'm interested in hearing the answer to this question.
4: (laughs) 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 Yeah.
3: I mean, it's, it's interesting for us because, because I think we're maybe trying to figure out, yeah, what is that? What is that ideal vision? Is it just sort of us doing our own apps or is it a mix of, you know, I think it's nice to have that, have that consultancy and have that not just for the income, but also because you get to work on a variety of different projects. So for the moment, I feel like we're trying to get to the point where we can just be working on sort of our favorite projects. And if that's sometimes that's client work, that's going to be, you know, the most interesting client work that we can find, and maybe that would mean, yeah, expanding and have having a designer who who works with us and it is also a partner, and and maybe having a web developer who's working with us. It's hard to imagine it expanding much beyond that, but I, I mean, maybe to five people. Does that seem? Ludicrous. I mean that that seems that seems like that would probably be if it was going to be more than that, it would be a different kind of business, a different kind of thing. And that kind of thing could be fun, but but sort of there are, those organizations also already exist, and we, and we could be working for one of them. So part of the reason we do this is that it's really nice to have that independence and work on our own and sort of be you know be our own bosses. But then the other part of it is, is it's really nice to work as part of a smaller team rather than part of a big organization so that would be a an interesting transition if that ever happened I'm not sure if we would be um excited about it or if we would be sort of man now i'm now I'm just a manager and i I miss the days when we could just be sort of doing our own thing
2: mm-hmm. yeah I think i I pretty much agree i I could see adding a a person or two but I would be yeah i just i i just I don't know if I have the vision for managing an organization that's larger than that.
1: Yeah, well I I worked for a consulting firm out here that did they were primarily .net and java and they had 30 or 40 employees and the the whole flavor changes after you get to a certain point. And so I can definitely see that. And and it's interesting to hear you talk about the the kind of desire to keep it more of a a lifestyle and um or a lifestyle business where it's more about what you get from it in sort of the intangible things than necessarily building a huge consultancy that makes you millions of dollars. And that though, you know, it it comes down to what you value. And and I saw that in that business as well, where the owners to some degree, at least were much more interested in making the money than they were in about um, providing lifestyle for the people who work with or for them or any of those other things that you're talking about there. Yeah, and I
3: think so far, sort of when we talk about that stuff, it's in the interests of, man, if we had an in-house designer, we could make better stuff, right? And so we try to keep the focus on what would let us make better stuff rather than what's going to be the way to um, make this uh, into a multi-billion dollar company. Yep. Unless, Ben, you have a plan for making it into a multi-billion dollar company, which I haven't heard so far, in which case... Um, you know we can do that
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah ben if you want a million dollar company you're welcome to it you're welcome to all the work that comes with it <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> oh interesting so if somebody came to you and said i want to start a consultancy what advice would you give them
2: i think i would say uh, yeah i think i think my my advice would be pick your projects wisely because the urge is to just take whatever job comes to you right at the beginning um when you're doing that and i don't know how many freelancers i've talked to that have like including myself that have that one contract from you know when they started it just keeps on you know bothering them you know for, for <laughs> seemingly for the rest of their life you know as a as a freelancer so yeah pick pick your project carefully
3: Right, and from a little bit more technical aspect, if somebody was going to say all right i w- I want to start a consultancy that focuses on mobile application development, maybe we'd say yeah you you probably need to have like an iOS guy and an Android guy, so maybe that's a i mean that's definitely a limitation we run into with clients where where they want to have um an Android version and sort of do that development side by side, and that's not at all what we do mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I think that technical limitation is is something to think about. Is like, what are your skills and what can you provide? You know, is it enough to basically attract the kind of clients that you want?
1: Yeah. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and get into the picks then. We kind of have a full crew this week. Curtis, why don't you start us off with picks? All right. I'm going to pick A-B testing, something I've just started to do on some of my sites.
2: And I run them all on WordPress, and I know a couple other guys here do as well, so got a couple are good blog post that shows you a couple different ways to do it awesome eric what are your picks all right so um like i said last week i'm in the process of writing another book and one book i read that was pretty good for me it's 2k to 10k writing faster better and writing more of what you love um, it came out of a blog post by a writer how she kind of analyzed how she worked and started taking like a lot of notes and actually metrics of her writing and found Basically found what worked for her, and this is a short book that goes over that it goes over writing editing um uh, it's m- mostly fiction stuff, so it's like plotting story, all that stuff but um just using a few tips from this, I was able to really improve my writing like I used to struggle to get a thousand words out in a you know couple hours and I was talking with Curtis earlier like theres one day where I actually put out over six thousand words so it's a good book, it's really short if you do any kind of writing, even if it's just blog posts, like you're gonna pick something up from this
1: nice. That sounds really good. And we had a discussion yesterday about writing books and, and I'm getting excited about that too. So thanks for the the recommendation. Ash, what are your picks?
0: I have two. Um, the first one is uh, Coursera is offering a class right now that it's uh, that's an introduction to public speaking. I've been trying to get more people to get into speaking at conferences and user groups. So I think that's a, a really good first step for people who have some anxiety around speaking in front of people. Uh, and I'll drop the link. That one just got started, but I think you can join at any time over the next 10 weeks. The second one is a woman named Martha who lives in Nairobi, Kenya. She was denied a visa into the United States to attend hacker school in New York City, so she decided to put together her own developer school in Nairobi, and she's raising money for that. Uh, And I think she has has almost two weeks left, so plenty of time to donate to that. That
2: sounds really interesting.
1: Yeah, it does. Um, Jeff, what are your picks? So I have one. It's a TED Talk by Amy Cuddy about body language and the physiological and psychological changes your body language has on you. So it's an interesting talk. I've been doing too much tech stuff, so it's interesting. Awesome. Reuven, what are your picks?
4: Well, uh, I've just got one pick for this week. We've got a lot of people, and I've learned my lesson for previous weeks. Uh, Just one, Patrick McKenzie, known also as Patio11, who just consistently comes out with really, really, really clever essays. Um, I think this is a new one. Uh, I think it just came out this week or last week, uh, about products versus services. And I just thought it was both generally interesting because he writes really well. But my favorite part was where he says, this is what the consultants are saying. Oh, we wish we could do products. This is what the product people are saying. Oh, we wish we could be like consultants. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and the point of the essay is basically, what can everyone learn from everyone else's business model? So uh, definitely recommend it.
1: Awesome. All right, so I have one pick this week, and it is a little bit expensive, but so far it's been really, really good. Um, I've only watched the first module or two, and it is Create Awesome Online Courses, Um, and uh, that is put together by David Seitman Garland from The Rice to the Top. And it's pretty awesome. It's a video course that walks you through how to build awesome online courses. And I've been, like I said, really enjoying it. So um, I'll pick that and we'll throw it over to Ben. Ben, what are your picks?
2: I have two this week. Um, The first one is completely non-digital related. Um, It's uh, Jefferson's Bourbon. And I had the pleasure of having some while well, I was out in San Francisco for WWDC recently. And it's like a small batch blended bourbon, and it's really nice. And then the second one is a really neat kind of service. It's called the Matasano Crypto Challenges. And they basically, they're a security analyst group, and they will send you eight crypto challenges at a time for you to do. And they're able to be done by pretty much any programmer in the language of your choice and they just kind of are a way of teaching you about problems with security and uh cryptography and they don't require knowledge of you know how to do crazy cryptology math and they just send them to you eight at a time um and you send them back and they kind of chat with you about it and so it's really a kind of neat service that they're that they're doing
1: awesome robert what
3: are your picks I also have two picks and two picks that I think helped me uh, get started with doing this kind of um consulting. And so one is the US2 Pixel Perfect Precision Handbook. It's just a little handbook about how to do stuff with pixels, some design principles that relate to digital design. And I think it's helpful for people who are um getting into this kind of Especially with iOS development, there's a lot of design decisions that you need to make. Um, and sometimes when you're doing consultancy, you don't have the luxury of having a an external designer. Especially when you're working with clients, they have their own graphic designer, but they don't necessarily have somebody who's comfortable with digital design or with iOS design. So knowing these sort of basic principles uh, I found really helpful. And it's helpful for me just to sort of go back and maybe read it and be able to articulate stuff that I... You, you know, you, that you understand from having a little bit of a design eye, but that you haven't really, um, thought about in depth. Um, and then the second thing that was really helpful to me getting started was, um, figuring out contracts and, uh, Mike Montero does a great, um, he has a blog post on contracts. He has, um, a great sort of, uh, video, uh, Vimeo video that's a talk that he gave about getting paid. And that also seems like, man, something that is, um, super important to doing consultancy was, and it was really helpful for me starting out because we were maybe a little bit, uh, you know, it's just, it's uncomfortable to talk about money. It's uncomfortable to to try to feel like you're trying to get somebody to pay you. And, um, and Mike Montero's talk has a, has a great title about, you know, that you should get paid. So,
1: yeah, that, that video in particular has been picked on the show a couple of times. So.
3: Great. Excellent.
1: But yeah, terrific. Well, thanks for coming on the show, guys. Really appreciate your, your input. And, uh, hopefully this helps some folks who are looking at taking things to the next level. Thanks for having for having having us.
3: It's been a pleasure.